All right, what's up, guys? I'm here with uh, V, a.k.a. Rocket Foot, uh, who, along with his buddy Henry Nell, been tearing up Instagram uh, past couple years now, uh, hitting crazy nice kicks down in uh, South Africa. Uh, recently, uh, V was out at, uh, well, I'll let him tell you, but he's had a couple uh, pro tryouts. He's got a really unique story, uh, and I think you guys are uh, really going to enjoy him. So uh, right off the bat, V, tell us a little bit about where you're from and uh, I started kicking hey uh hey brandon thanks uh thanks for having me on and you know hi to everyone else listening um yeah very obviously very strange and, and unique story uh you know we don't have any american football art in south africa and um i guess it uh, just it came it came from this uh this weird obsession with uh with kicking you know first and foremost rugby i played rugby all my life and I later in life discovered that I, you know, I was playing rugby as a consequence of, of loving kicking. And that just inevitably led me to this, uh, on this journey to discovering American football. And then, you know, just starting this whole thing, I guess it, it all started back in 2014. Um, I was living in a, in a, a student town called, um, Potschofstrom, which is in the Northwest province of South Africa. And I mean, I was just, tired of not having a vision and uh, not knowing where my life was going and you know um I found I found American football and and it's sort of the rest of the history I kind of just snowballed from there yeah basically that's the just of it <laughs> that's awesome and now you know so over so how did I guess what what did rugby do to help you get into kicking because I know there are some similarities obviously you have uh, yeah, you know, the, the the pro kick Australia guys and the Aussie guys are coming over to the U.S. and you know in in the U.S. rugby it's getting more popular in some states but it's still not very big so not a lot of Americans have a background in it so punting yeah. doesn't come quite as naturally to a lot of Americans maybe as former rugby guys so I guess for you when you were first uh, picking up kicking how did I guess how did your rugby background help you? Um, I you know I would say that that in terms of just purely the the sort of feeling of kicking a ball that that kind of natural feeling for it that helped a lot uh, especially in terms of punting but for the most part it kind of hindered my progress a lot because rugby's a a lot it's a lot more free you know so mm -hmm. you're not you're not very tied down to you know you can only take this many steps and you know it's a, it's a very like american football kicking is a very mechanical process whereas uh, you know with rugby you're very free to kind of do whatever feels natural and, and normal to you um you know for example if you if you play mm -hmm. kicking sorry i have a message um if you play kicking in in rugby um you get to take as many steps as you want. You get to kick off whatever tee you, you feel uh, works for you. And, you know, the ball is very forgiving. So you, 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 you can kick it uh, really far with a very bad technique. And that's why, you know, that's one of the reasons I fell in love with, with kicking American footballs is purely because it's so much more challenging. And it kind of forces you to, to think a lot deeper about kicking, you know, in, in terms of your, your technique and mechanically wise and, and just how, how you're generating energy and, and transferring that to the ball. So yeah, there are, there are similarities, but they are also worlds apart. That, that's interesting. Cause a lot of the, the dominant train of thought for a lot of American guys looking at former rugby players is that, Oh, it's just so natural. Just, just chuck a ball in their hand and they'll be good to go. But you're saying there's, there's a lot, 
lot more to it. And that's actually the first time I've heard that rugby in a way kind of hindered your progress because you were so used to just feeling your kick and not thinking about form so much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like, for example, if, if you're in a, in a rugby game, the only time you're really stationary taking a kick is if you if you have a penalty and, and then you've got no pressure on you. So, you know, you make your mark, like let's say you're punting to touch, um, you know, you, you make your mark, you take as many steps you want and you get to hammer the ball as far downfield as, as you please. Uh, as opposed to punting, you know, you've got 1.4 seconds to get the ball off. You know, you need to kick that ball with, you know, five seconds, five, five hang over 60 yards, you know, otherwise it's not considered a good punt. Um, so, and, and just to do that and to achieve that with a, with a, you know, with a leather football pump to the, you know, regulation PSI, you have to, you have to look at the way you're generating energy and putting that into the ball. Uh, whereas with the rugby ball, because it's, you know, it's rubber, it's a little more forgiving. Like I mentioned before, you know, it's a lot easier to kick the ball as almost as far, um, with a sort of substandard technique, if I can put it that way. Um, you know, in, in, in the game itself, when you're playing rugby, um, you know, you're free to kick the ball whenever you like. So I guess in terms of that, there's a lot more tricks in the bag when it comes to, to being an, an accomplished rugby kicker, so to speak. You know, you've got to be able to pull off little chip kicks, little what we call grubbers, you know, like along the ground. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things, things that we call like banana kicks so that the ball would turn in the air. Uh, also spiral torpedoes, up and unders, box kicks. Like there's, there's definitely a, like a, a bigger selection of kicks in, in the game of rugby. Right. Um, but in terms of pure form and technique and generating energy and kind of being, I, I feel like you're kind of almost more restricted uh, and and then also at the same time expected to perform at a higher level um, when you're kicking footballs. Gotcha. So you're restricted and you have to do better. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. Now, now it was, yeah, it was interesting because I know um, I don't know if you follow Pat McAfee, who is hilarious, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I watch his podcast often. Yeah. Oh, he he's great. And um, but I remember watching him cover Johnny Hecker pull off the banana punt for the first time in the NFL. Which, like, yeah. if you don't hit that perfectly on an NFL ball, it's it's an yeah. awful shank, and you might as well just walk to the other time when you're done. Um, <laughs> yeah, you might as well just go home. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, I, I mean Johnny Hecker's probably got a little bit more leeway, but but yeah, no, it's it's been cool to see the influence of rugby on punting. I think it's really forced a lot of American uh, punting coaches and punters to up their game as well. You know, like f- football. Football is a meritocracy, and. Um, the better the you know a South African or Australian guy can punt, the better a U.S. guy's got to punt. For you know, I think the, what the U.S. guys have is that they will only come at punting knowing how to hit that like traditional spiral, which for the time yeah. being seems to be still seems to be kind of the standard with what a lot of scouts look for in college or yeah. or or NFL CFL. But I have seen it start to change a little bit. They they're starting to say that you know, it does, maybe every punt doesn't have to look like Ray guy. Um, yeah. If, if that yeah. makes sense. I, I get what you're saying. And I think, you know, if you, if as a rugby player, you're kind of given the freedom to bring this bag of tricks to, to the football game and your, your coach is, is sort of uh, a little more kind of free in his, in his way of thinking, you know, and you can, you can open up a little bit of space and give the punter a little more, 
a little more leeway, leeway to run with the ball. And that could create different options around the field. Um, you know, I, I'm not too sure. I, I might be speaking, you know, under correction here. But, you know, things like what we do in rugby, like cross kicks, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always wondered why, uh, you know, I, I know there's rules that are, that are restrictive of these things. But, you know, NFL changes rules every year. I think it would make it interesting uh, to say, for example, that the kicking team can also receive the ball back, you know, before it's touched by the other team. I don't know if that, I, I think that's the rule, right? The other team has to touch the ball first. Yeah, yeah. So the other team has to touch the ball first. Um, I forget. It's it does get kind of fuzzy, but yeah. So like, if the returner touches it but doesn't actually catch it, then that's considered yeah. a you know a quote live football, and anybody live. Can ju- anybody can jump. Yeah, live. yeah, yeah. So just in comparison, you know, in, in rugby, the ball's live, you know, until the whistle blows. So, you know, at, t- at times that could be twenty minutes before there's a break in play. You know, so. Into, you know, as uh, just to, to make a comparison, like, you know, at times you'd, you'd receive the ball and you'd look to your right-hand side and your winger would be wide open with no coverage and you would just kick the ball to him. As long as he starts his run behind you, uh, you know, otherwise he would be in an offside position, but as long as he starts his run behind you, he, he, could, he could catch the ball out of the air and you would win, you know, 20 meters or 30 meters of, of field position or territory and still retain the ball. You know, so there are things like that, but the game would have to change. You know, some rules would have to change in order to bring those sorts of elements from rugby to to the game of football. Yeah, and it you know it's ironic that football really started out as a, a variant on on rugby. You know, part of the yeah. reason why. So for U.S. football, you know, ticket sales were dying between like 1890 and the 1920s nobody was going to go see a game because it wasn't exciting. It was just kind of like all running and scrum and um, yeah. actually down the road where I'm at, I think it's Walter camp or I forget the guy's name exactly, but you know, they all, the, the kind of the godfathers of American football got together in late 19 teens or early 1920s and started to change the rules up. So you're, it's called football because your extra, your field goals actually used to be worth more points than your touchdowns. So all your best, oh, yeah. all your best athletes used to drop kick. They used to want to be the kickers because those were the yeah. guys that got points. And uh, talk about a perfect world, right? Oh yeah. Well, if you you know just Google uh, a lot of the early kicking records at whether it's college or or National Football League, and they're all linebackers. They're all you know the best looking guys on the team. Not that kickers don't have <laughs> swag guys, but yeah, I mean. It- it's still like that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, kickers definitely have more time to uh, work on their hair and their style for sure. But <laughs> now, yeah. when you, you know, in rugby, you, you said that there's there's continuous play, which I always find it found it fascinating um, looking at the the mental side of punting and kicking because uh, who was it? Jason Elam. He used to kick for the the Broncos about ten years ago, and he he always said kicking is hours of boredom and a few seconds of panic. And then you go back to being bored. So, you know, when in rugby, I guess there's no stoppage of play. So you can kind of get into like a flow. You're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just reacting kind of like soccer or basketball. And so it's a very reactive sport. Yeah. It's very, very based on, on reflex and instinct. Uh, and so what I'm interested in for you coming from a, a sport, that's all things position where you might, hours about what you're about 1.4 seconds how has yeah. that how did you first deal with that 
Yeah, it's it's it was definitely a change. Um, I, I I've always been the type of guy that you know I mean, I've worked on that specifically quite a lot in the last year. I found that if I have too much time on my hands to think about something, I tend to overthink and and out and think myself out of that situation. I, I have, mm-hmm. you know, I found I found that I do a lot better with a live snap and a hold than what I would do, you know, if the ball's just standing there and I, and I get to think about it for too long, you know. Right. And I, I think I think it comes from um, there's a guy called uh, I think his name is Stephen Cohere or something something like that, and he did this whole piece on uh, flow dynamics, you know. You know the neuromusc, uh, sorry, the neurochemistry in the brain um, during uh, states of adrenaline. Um, so you know your your body is just more responsive, and and sort of the communication between the brain and, and the muscles sort of work better during those states. Yeah. So I sort of figured, you know, that the the best athletes in the world, you know, the difference between myself and Tiger Woods, for example, you know, I can also drive a ball 300 yards, but he can do it every single time. So there right. must be some way to to induce this state of flow where where you're where you kind of just naturally doing something without thinking of it, you know. So the, yeah, to connect with what you were saying, it was definitely a challenge standing in a stationary position. And then receiving the ball and and then having time to think about what I'm doing or, or you know, be, even beforehand, even before before receiving the ball, knowing that, okay, I'm about to punt or I'm about to kick a field goal. It made it a, a lot more challenging. Yeah. So there, there's definitely changes that I had to make in the way that I process situations and, and, and moments like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost, you know, most kids have talent. So I, I work with a lot of high school, college kids and, um, most kids are able to kick a ball pretty well. You know, it's almost like yeah. if you look at the life of the average American kicker in high school, they probably had a soccer background. They had no yeah. idea why it worked or how it worked, but it worked. And then they really liked it and they wanted to learn how it worked and why it worked. And then once they learned how it worked and why it worked, it no longer worked because they were overthinking it. And so they kind of end up back where they started you know, it's, it, it, it is tough. I feel like a lot of, you can't really out technique uh, a mental. Most guys are just so inside their own head or they, they want so good to be great that they struggle to even be good. Uh, if, if that makes sense. Don't be there, B. Hey, Brennan, can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. That's better, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. Yeah. African Wi-Fi, it's not, it, doesn't always, it doesn't always work. No, um, actually, you're coming in really clear, actually, so that's, that's fine. Uh, okay, so, um, so what I was going to say is, uh, you know, if, you, if, you're in a st- if you, you, there's a balance you need to find between, you know, learning a new technique and then, adopting that as like you know something that you just do yeah I, I don't know how else to put it like so that technique needs to become this natural way of moving just this natural way of you going through these processes you know because i i just find that if you if you have to remind you if you're standing before you kick the ball and you've got to remind yourself okay i need to remember you know a little jab step this is what i do on my power step i need to plant deep uh, you tend to tense up and with that tension, you just don't flow through that movement correctly. And I think right. that's where a lot of guys, like especially natural guys, like like you said, with soccer backgrounds, when they start kicking, 
and and they start getting into the finer details of kicking, they realize, okay, well, wait, if I I can do this better if I do these things correctly. And then they start chasing that, you know, and not really and, – and then they just end up not flowing through that movement correctly like they should in that natural way. So there is there's definitely a sort of catch-22 when it comes to these elite elite mechanical techniques and, you know, opposed, as opposed to just naturally kicking the ball. And I think you'd find the best best kickers in the world have found sort of a middle ground between, you know, those elite mechanics and doing it as naturally naturally as possible. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's all, you know, it all works if it works. And um, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's tough because there are coaches I don't think there's a bad coach out there per se. It just depends on what works for each player. But, you know, some guys tend to be more systematic and everybody should generally look like this. Other guys are yeah. a little more loosey goosey. As long as the ball goes high, far and straight, who cares what you look like? Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is definitely interesting because there's guys in the NFL, like, you know, for example, Goskowski never worked really with any coach. He's all self-taught. So he's probably got one of the most unique ways of looking at kicking. And then you have other guys who will take it. Yeah, down to this, you know, the the centimeter. Um, well, that's awesome, man. And so, changing uh, gears here, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you to try to gain traction as a South African uh, yeah. in the U.S. Because it, it's hard for even a lot of American guys who are really good to break into the NFL or CFL or you know any any pro yeah. league. Um, and you're trying to do that from five, 6,000 miles away with probably friends and family yeah. members who don't even know what kicking is. Yeah. Is it, I guess, why don't you talk about that first? What's it been like with your friends and family to try to, uh, you know, explain to them what, what you've been doing? Well, I, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll start with my mother, you know, uh, she's kind of conditioned to uh, me having these very strange ideas and then <laughs> kind of follow following uh following through with it um you know in life in business and whatever you know whatever ever whatever i've ever done has been a, sort of against the flow of things I, I don't know why i've always been a little bit of a rebel and um you know uh i guess uh the rest of my family and friends they kind of understand it now you know because you know back when i said okay this is what i'm going to do i'm going to the nfl people like Okay, cool, man. Let, <laughs> let us know how it works out. Yeah, he's, <laughs> and, he's uh, lost yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he's completely lost it. Um, you know, and and for the most part, it's been an absolute roller coaster with no seat belts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, I guess, for the type of person that that I, I cannot, I cannot live without chasing something. I need to chase some other goal, you know, whether it's learning a, a impossible song on a guitar or, or, you know, going to the gym and, and trying to increase my bench or whatever, you know, I, I, I have to constantly be chasing something. So I found something that I can probably chase forever. Not really sure if I'm going to make it, but somehow along the way, it's, it's just making everything else in my life flow better, you know, um, you know, so I'm driven. I, you know, so it, it, it affects everything else. It affects my, it affects my business and my relationships with people, you know, just being, just having that sense of being driven. Um, but to connect to what you were saying about being in Africa, it's really not the easiest place or the easiest position to, to be chasing the stream from, you know, 
guys, you know, I kind of understand how it works. You know, you go to high school and you've got stats there. You know, you go to college, you play division one, you've got stats there. You know, and our coaches can see, okay, well, this guy's got a track record. You know, we can rely on a guy like this. And, um, you know, so having, you know, coming from a background where you'd have absolutely no record of you even existing in the industry whatsoever, you kind of have to rely on one of two things, you know, either being unique and special, you know, because you're from Africa, like, hey, who's this guy from Africa? What, what's his story? Right. And then secondly, if you just continuously smoke balls, you know, <laughs> that tends to help. too. Yeah. That also tends to help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's definitely, you know, to, to, to look at the, the track record side of things, you know, it is, it is tough. You don't have a, necessarily a blueprint, but you, you know, don't, don't sell yourself too short. You had a little, uh, you had a pro workout recently. Could you talk a little bit about that and how that came about? Yeah. So, um, I mean, four years ago, five years ago, I came to the, to the United States. I think I had $500 in my back pocket and I had like two weeks to live in, um, Darren Bennett, he used to be a punter for the Chargers. I don't know if you oh, yeah. recognize so, that name. So Darren Bennett is actually really good friends with a mentor, uh, John Carton, who trains guys a lot out in San Diego. So, yeah, John yeah, yeah, John, yeah. John says nothing but great about him. Yeah, so, so you know, it, it was kind of like a combined effort between Darren Bennett and Michael Husted at, at that stage. Um, so... I came out to San Diego and, and Darren was busy renovating this house in, in North Park. And uh, I just kind of moved in with a backpack and um, myself and uh, a really good friend of mine now, you know, we've, we've always stayed in touch. Uh, uh, Dilbert Alvarado. Um, he used to, I think he was with the Cowboys for a preseason. He's also kind of like been around the block, you know, mm -hmm. uh, he was with the Red Blacks. He kicked there for a season. I think he spent two or three seasons in the CFL. You know, we and we ended up living in this in this uh, half renovated house uh, together, and that was like literally my first taste of of you know this American football kicking industry, and it, it was great. Um, Jason Myers that that kicks for the Seahawks at the moment, mm -hmm. um, he was unsigned at that stage, and and he used to he used to pick us up in the morning to go to go train at Michael Eustace Academy. Mm -hmm. And man, I was like out of my depth. I knew, I knew nothing about the sport. I, you know, back here in South Africa, I thought, man, how difficult can this be? Just kick <laughs> the ball through, just kick it through the uprights. That's like the easiest thing in the world. I do this every day. And it was, it was by far, by far not what I expected. Um, you know, I oversold myself and, and, you know, at, at that stage I had a, a pretty good agent and my first taste of a of a professional workout was with the San Diego Chargers. Uh, they had like some, not like an open day, but I think they brought in a bunch of college guys, and, and they allowed me to come kick there as well. Oh, and awesome. uh, yeah, but you know, like I have to mention this, you know, so five hundred dollars in my back pocket, and then you know, kicking sort of took the back seat because life just happened. You know, I thought, uh, you know, America's the land of dreams. Things would happen, you know, like somehow I'll make a success of this. And I had, you know, I had to do like some weird things to stay alive. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was more about staying alive than what it was about football, that first trip for, for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I was supposed to be out of the United States uh, on, I think it was like the 10th of September that year. And I 
took a bus and the bus was late and I got stuck, stuck in traffic. And then I ended up missing a flight on that very day that I needed to, to leave the country. And I, I ended up spending another week in Los Angeles, you know, just trying to get some money together to buy another plane ticket to get back home. Right. And so in the process I had overstayed, um, this, mm-hmm. it is part of the story. I have to give you these details because sure, people sure. ask why, you know, why am I not back in the States? Mm-hmm. So came, came back and then, you know, two or three weeks later, my agent phoned me and said, look, he's got an opportunity with, with Green Bay. They'd like to see me um, for some reason. And they flew me out and I got to LAX and they didn't allow me into the country because I'd overstayed for a week. And, gotcha. you know, it didn't matter what I, yeah, it didn't matter what I said. I was like, but it's the NFL. And they're like, well, this is just how it works. So, they they just sent me back to South Africa and I, you know, I kind of had to start all over again and yeah, it wasn't easy. I tried to get another visa. They didn't allow it. And that's kind of what led me on this journey to the CFL because sadly it's at this point, my only option. And um, yeah, it's, it's very, very frustrating, um, you know, because you know, I'm not, I'm not a criminal or anything. I, I, I guess I broke the immigration laws, but, it was, uh, it you know, it was out of my hands at that point. But, sure, uh, sure. but yeah, so, so I I got the opportunity to go to BC. I was actually invited to preseason camp this year. Um, but I, I had to apply for another visa and it, it took some time to get that visa. So as soon as I got it, you know, I'd already saved and, and budgeted to, to go there. So I told them, look, I know I'm late. You know, it's four games into the season. And they said, well, come anyway. We would love to meet you. So... Uh, took the trip down to Vancouver, awesome place. Uh, sure. Great, you know, just being there was was nice, and just being back in that that professional environment was, you know, kind of like a like one of the, like a very big relief for me, you know, just to know that I still have this and I can still chase this. Right. What's so for the visa? Is that it, do you just have to wait a certain time period for that to reset for the states, or is that something that is on like an appeal process? I'm not even sure, man. I, I yeah. like I've done I've done research and stuff, and according mm-hmm. to what you know, according to what the internet says, it's supposed to be three years, and I've waited three years, and I went and applied again, and I guess things with 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 Trump just if you know immigration and stuff just got a little like stricter, and and sure. you know they they're a little harder on especially small misdemeanor things like this, you know. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I guess you know immigration's a big like a big talking point in the, in the United States at the moment. So mm-hmm. I, I would guess that that's maybe one of the reasons why um, they, they, they would have second thoughts in, in giving me another visa. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, so then, you know, that's definitely unfortunate that that happened, but I think that, you know, you've, you've definitely taken the, the gem that you can out of it. Um, and then, yeah. so with, with the CFL, I guess, you know, obviously it's a little bit different game from, American football, you got a little bit bigger field. Um, so you yeah. went from rugby to American football to Canadian football, and Canadians will tell you it's the, you know, quote unquote, purer form of football. Although I don't know if that's true, but um, <laughs> I've heard that. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you know, like back in early football days, um, a lot of the Ivy League colleges in the Northeast used to play like uh, McGill up in Montreal, a couple of schools in Quebec and Ottawa. And so, like, the rules kind of blended back and forth. They would switch the rules back and forth, and eventually they just kind of split it. But um, 
so yeah, would you mind just kind of talking about what it was like to uh, go through the CFL training camp and any kind of differences you saw between um, American football and Canadian football? Because like Americans will see Canadian football on ESPN or something if like there is like literally nothing else on. And then we're like, oh, what is this? It's a faster form of football, but it's in this place called Canada. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was it was definitely a lot a lot more open and free and a lot more fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of those reasons is I think you know you only have, you only have three downs. Um, as a as a kicker, you have to do a lot more because you know I, I think CFL suits me more because I wouldn't call myself a field goal specialist or a punting specialist. I I kind of like to be seen as a, a multi dimensional kicker. You know that I can do all three things at at that elite level. What is nice about the CFL is, uh, you know, you're, you're allowed to kick off a, off a block. So when I was out there, I was using a one-inch block. And that just kind of allowed me to focus a little bit more on punting, mm-hmm. uh, which became very obvious that punting was, for them, I guess it was like the most important part of, of a kicker's job um, right. because you're punting so much, you know. And it's very, very specific and it's very directional. Um, there's not a, there's never a moment where you're punting like straight downfield. It's always to some kind of a corner or some kind of a target with a specific amount of hang time. And uh, one thing that they were very, like very uh, aggressive about was you'll get, you need to be even faster. So they were trying to try and get me down to like 1.3 seconds, you know, from the snap, which it's doable, but when you've when you've kind of like conditioned yourself to to look at like 1.4, 1.5 seconds around there somewhere, you know uh, that just changes your rhythm so much that it kind of throws you off a right. little bit. So that was something to get used to. Um, the hash marks are wider, so you got a bit more of an angle to to kick your field goals from, and your touchbacks would be a little bit further because the end zones are 15 yards. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit longer than the NFL, so. All in all, I think the the CFL is a is is a bigger challenge for for a kicker because a team would be looking for a guy most of the time to do all three facets of kicking, you know, to punt, kick off, and and kick field goals. Um, so yeah, it, that's that's quite an exciting challenge for you as well to you know to sort of focus and spread your focus over all three of those those disciplines, which is what I have been doing for for the last two years. So. Kind of was prepared for it. I, I think my timing was a bit off at the time that I got there. The team had, I think, lost five in a row, you know, games in a row. So they were under pressure. And, you know, the only position in the team that wasn't struggling, you know, evidently struggling was was the kicking position. Uh, Sergio, Sergio Castillo is a great guy, good kicker. Um, you know, so I don't think that they, they were willing to make any changes at, at that right. point. So looking forward to... Looking forward to preseason camp next year. Oh, that's year. awesome. So, great, man. So, you'll be back on out. And, yeah, I mean, I think it's for the U.S., you know, most high school kids can do all three. Um, and it's usually when yeah. they go to college, uh, especially the higher divisions, they'll they'll have one guy kick off, they'll have one guy kick field goal, they'll have one guy punt. Um, and then also in Canada, I don't know if it's the same for South Africa because you have, you know, I guess South Africa and Canada are former – commonwealth nations with britain and all that stuff but in the u.s they always yeah. want a combo guy because of uh, canadian import laws so a certain percentage of the roster has to be uh has to have a canadian passport in order to not pay yeah. a fine or something like yeah. that 